Welcome to Owen and Baru's Barbecue. I'm I'm joined tonight with Nick. Hey. And my name's Matt. Tonight you we're going to serve you some southern fried convor. Mm. You're wondering what convor is? Any ideas? Me? Well, if you watch if you if you watched Rebels recently, you may have noticed that there is a certain bird uh that is a convor. We're going to grill some up tonight and talk Rebels, uh, as well as a, just kind of other few uh, tidbits, I guess, some things that uh, I've read. I'm not trying to make it all me, but I guess I have kind of digested quite a bit of Star Wars material here recently. Got to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, um, how about you? How are, have you bought any uh, recent Han Solo Lego sets yet? No. Uh, Lego's actually been kind of... Uh... They haven't put out much. They put out the the uh, the the weird little speeder thing at the end of uh, the Last Jedi that looks kind of weird. They all the they're attacking the new Adats. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which was weird because they didn't put Rose and Finn in it. It's it's like a generic pilot, and I think. Um, what do you uh, mean the the like the little twin ski speeder that that kind yeah, of thing? The one, that, the one that they're going towards at the end, the end scene there, right towards the new Adats. Uh, I, oh, I've seen the, the large AT-AT, too. That looks really impressive. Yeah. But, the, uh, uh, I think it's the ATMT is what they're calling that thing. Or that's something. what they're calling it. Okay. I, I, I wasn't sure. But, uh, I, or it's NT6, something like that. I, my, my son looked it up the other day and was telling me. I was like, I should remember this, but this seems inconsequential to me. It'll always be an AT-AT. It's always an AT-AT. Exactly. I'll always call it an AT-AT. <laughs> Yeah, and then but no, like they haven't put that many sets out really that I've noticed. Really, nothing that I thought was like, oh, I've got to have that. You know, I, I mean, I make a point to uh, the Lego store up in Glendale. I'll make a point to go look at the uh, the eight hundred dollar Millennium Falcon, which is just insanely huge. Have you seen yeah. that? I I have, um, and I will I will say that if I had eight hundred dollars to spend on Star Wars, it yeah. would not necessarily be for that. No, exactly. Uh, I mean, if someone gave me eight hundred dollars and said you have to go buy the Lego Million Falcon, I'd do. Mm. Oh, well, sure. But yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, just, it's one of those things that. Where's this eight hundred so from? It's so large that. What did I have to do for this eight hundred? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, kid, you want to earn a free eight hundred dollar uh, Millennium Falcon? You gotta milk that uh, that green milk over there. That that weird looking beast. Uh, it's wearing a sleeve Leia outfit. Sleeve Leia. Uh, oh. Or a uh, hut slayer, I guess that is the more PC hut slayer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just after you put it together, like where would you put it? You'd have to put it in like a glass case and make it a coffee table. It's so large. But uh, if you bought the Millennium Falcon, yeah, um, so yeah, I, I've actually I've actually thought about doing that with my my vintage action figure collection. Is is somehow rigging up some type of a kind of display table so that I could actually kind of just you know have them under glass, but see. See them yeah. all kind of. Yeah, I knew arranged. someone who had that a table, like same thing. It was like just a big long drawer, and you pull it out, and then the top oh, of the table was, nice. Was a and what, that, what they did was they had kept every single concert ticket, movie stuff, everything, you know, backstage pass, and they mm -hmm. just threw them on there like a big collage, and then just shut the drawer. So when you look down at the table, you can see like just all this their whole life of like every event they've ever been to. Which I thought, oh, cool. be cool if they put like a little mirror down there too, like and a little <laughs> bit of sugar or something. <laughs> Yeah, there was a 
there's a good comedy. It's hard to, to, to distract, but exactly. There's a good comedy bit where someone. That's total Star Wars. You, you're telling me Carrie Fisher? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was like, it was like my roommate the other day. It was like, my mom's coming by and she hasn't met any of you. And I'd like to make a good impression and show you. Could you please? He was English. You know, I was like, could you please clean up? Clean up everything, and he goes, "Okay." He goes, "All you need to do is like a couple bags of flour, and then and he showed him like he had like a, a scale, and then like bags of flour that make you like bricks of cocaine." He's like, <laughs> like "She was not happy." <laughs> and then it keeps going, and it's it's really funny. Well, uh, if you're interested in some other, I guess, uh, Star Wars merchandise, they they have been releasing some of the images for the new Han Solo. Um, toys i guess i think there's there's a new solo falcon um that rumbles and shakes or what have you so I'm really alludes to a maybe it's a spoilery plot thing i don't know it's you well, know they, if you if you search star wars news on your on your phone every headline i swear is going to reveal something that you don't want to know yeah they uh they revealed uh in some post the other day like what the timeline supposed to be for the Han Solo movie. I think it's between 18 years old and 23 years old for Han Solo. Oh, great. I didn't even click on it. Thanks. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, still, but still, <laughs> I, I, I kind of thought, well, how are they going to make that work? That seems like a lot of time to jump over, you know, uh, for him to cover in one movie. Um, well, the other uh, article that I've been jumping over trying to avoid, because I would really actually like to read the uh, last Jedi novelization. Mm-hmm. But it comes out March 6th. Well, everybody and their brother who had an advanced copy that uh, works for some publishing company has put out articles that say stuff like, um, was Luke Skywalker married? Blah, 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 yeah, blah. You know, and I'm like, okay, let me just find out on my own. I would like to just open the book and not have every secret revealed. But they've, they keep mining through it and, and popping out articles. And I'm like, I, I just want to read the book. It's not even out. Like, just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I realize that book readers might might not be necessarily, or, or fans might not necessarily all be book readers, so they just want to know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a book reader, you're kind of like, ah, oh, spoilers. That's what worries me about the new Game of Thrones book whenever it's finally published. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Because that, that whole month leading up to it, you're going to have these little tidbits that are going to come out. Right. And then, you know, of course, his books are always a thousand pages or more. So mm-hmm. if you're like me, who's an extremely slow reader, it'll take me a month or two to read it. And sure. I don't want every single thing revealed a week before it's released. It's like, what's the point in buying the book? Yeah, you lock yourself in a cave for for five days, you know, and just like <laughs> order pizza and, and have like bottles of Gatorade and water to keep yourself hydrated. Yeah. Read no, through you- the whole thing with headphones on. <laughs> I was going to say, look, yeah, because apparently he released a novella in November and I didn't even know it. But uh, so I read that last weekend. But not to, well, get, not into get, get into Game of Thrones talk on Star Wars podcast. But well, to bring it back to books, though, the one thing that I did recently read and I was going to talk about is Han Solo's Revenge. Um, I realized that this is this is some late breaking uh, novelization news here. This book came out in 1979, so prior to Empire Strikes Back. This is the second book in the Han Solo trilogy that um, Ryan Daly wrote uh, back then. Um, it, I, I read the first one uh, at Star's, Star's End. Uh, I didn't really kind of recap it too much, but 
Um, I'll just jump into this one as far as some of the main things that happened, or at least the things that stood out to me as I thought were funny. This book starts off with Han and Chewie. They're like on some kind of primitive world, and they're shaking down locals by playing these hollow holo or hollow like hologram recordings of movies every night, and the locals just give them their knickknacks and wares or what have you to watch a movie. To watch a movie, yeah. <laughs> okay. So then Solo gets a new recording or what have you, and he's like, oh, I'm going to put this new one on for them. Well, they get upset because it's something completely different, and they start attacking him. And, and he's basically created, like, some kind of deity, like, worship ritual. So Solo and Chewie basically leave a la something I imagine was inspired by Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I can... I'm just wondering where Brian Daly got some of his inspiration because there are some things that Solo does and acts that I'm like, he's only has one movie to work with. What else is he pulling from? And I imagine hmm. Raiders. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I've, I've read, read through some of his stuff and, and it's surprising like some of the things that he mentions already that's, that's like, oh, hey, um, a vibro axe or whatever, which doesn't really officially get its name later until like return of the Jedi or something like that. Anyway. Um, so this, this book, it has this kind of funny payback, uh, like a la Mel Gibson movie for them not liking the movie. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you know how in payback, like he's just trying to get his money back. Right. Right. Isn't that the one that I'm thinking of? Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, Han's just trying to get $10,000 that he was promised because he was going to do this job and it ended up, he was going to get hijacked to transport slaves. He didn't want to transport slaves. He's at least, at least he's ethical, even though he rips off primitives. Um, he's got some ethics, like it's a weird kind of character for (laughs) Han. Um, so Somehow they get the the slaves freed, um, and eventually, okay. So the big the big bad in in this this where he's at, he's in the corporate sector, which they don't really say exactly where in the the you know universe or their galaxy the corporate sector is. But within the corporate sector, they don't have the empire. It's called the authority. So it's pretty generic. Mm-hmm. Orwellian kind of thing here, but the or, or the authority kind of controls this region of space, and um, I think that they're kind of they kind of allude to the fact that the empire allows them to do this. It's almost kind of like their their own existence in this corporate sector, which is where Solo's been hanging out. Um, I will say that that these Solo books even though they, they were written in the 70s and um, the last one, uh, which I'm starting um, now, is written in 1980, they, they still take place in the old Legends canon within the A.C. Crispin uh, novels, which I, I actually really like. I think that if anybody's interested in reading any solo backstory before the new stuff comes up, I realize that there's new canon stuff coming out. I'm kind of a sucker for the old stuff. 
<laughs> I still like kind of, uh, you know, reading an old paperback. Um, the to get back to the book, the the authority who he's kind of basically against in the novel at Star's End. In this book, he ends up working with one of their agents who's trying to take down the slaver ring or what have you. And Han Solo ends up getting a gig with her or what have you. So I will say this about Han Solo's revenge. Um, it never comes. Like the revenge, <laughs> it's, I keep waiting for his revenge. Like all of these things happen and like, the ship gets messed up and um, oh yeah, by the way, Solo and Chewbacca get split up, which is the plot line of at Star's End. It's like the one, it's his one kryptonite. You take Chewie away and Han Solo becomes a little bit more vulnerable. So it should have been more like Han's reckoning instead of... Han's reckoning. Han's, yeah. Not Han's Rue. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean... So basically his revenge comes at the very, very end of the novel. And it's, it's, you don't even get to read about his revenge. It's more like, all right, kids. Like, <laughs> like, like, hey, I got him over a barrel. So where's my 10,000 credits? It's like, well, we never got to see you get the revenge for whatever this said revenge is. It, and in fact, now that I'm on to the third book, uh, which is um, so it sounds so it sounds kind of like he was trying to be a swindler, like he's you know labeled to be. Yeah, and so it's kind of like like the Sting, the movie The Sting, or something. Like they, they should have made it more about that of like, oh, how do I get my money by being clever? Versus that title kind of makes you think, oh, he's out for blood to get his money. Yeah, well, and at some point you kind of think like, oh, he's going to get some revenge on these slavers, but he's like. No, nah, I just want my money, man. Mm -hmm. Like these slavers messed me over. They tried to steal my ship. I was promised this money. Where's my money? And oh yeah, by the way, Zlarb's dead. You know. Oh yeah, he does kill Zlarb. Uh, it is interesting that Slo Solo is referred to as a as a gunslinger at some point. And this is how pathetic Han Solo's revenge is. There is a duel that is going to happen between this really great guy like Gustavo or whatever. Who's who like can can shoot really fast or whatever, and this duel is about ready to take place. And the means at which this the that Han Solo is going to actually step in and save someone to do this duel is so ridiculous, so contrived. They don't even have the duel, <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? The hell was that chapter about? So I don't recommend it. I'm on to Han Solo and the Lost Legacy which I, I hope has a little bit more Indiana Jones in it than uh, this one, uh, this last one. But uh, that's, anyway. That's, that's kind of the, uh, the opinion I was getting from your, your body language there, is that this is not a, a recommend. It's just, <laughs> this is not a recommend. I'm, I'm recommending that if anybody is interested in but because I really did actually enjoy the A.C. Crispin trilogy, it's interesting that she framed this other trilogy to happen inside her own universe so it's mm -hmm. kind of like she she basically does the 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 han solo story from about 18 or even younger all the way up until the events that happen in a new hope that is what she covers and so within her time frame she's like oh and by the way han solo goes out to the corporate sector and does some stuff 
And then, oh, by the way, he came back from the corporate sector and this is what, what he's doing now. So it's kind of like she explains that trilogy within hers. I think um, he and I might have touched on this once before, but I always thought that Rebels, the cartoon series that we're going to get into in a second, I always felt that I, it would have been better if it would have been a Han Solo kind of story. Because I always felt it was kind of like Firefly, the series, and then you mm-hmm. have this ragtag group of, they're not pirates, but they're, you know, they're, they are, they're just a, a rough crew. And I was like, well, that's kind of what Han was. You know, he had a rough, you know, crew and like, wouldn't it have been just as good? You wouldn't have had the Jedi element that's in Rebels, but you could have had like a Firefly slash thing and it'd been sure. like Han and Chewie and then like some random other characters. And it was like, it would have been just as good. And you could have had that backstory of, of Han to go along with it. I, um, I was reading somewhere that there's some, there were certain aspects of, of Rebels that was plotted out and planned within Clone Wars. Or maybe Clone Wars. Maybe what it was was Clone Wars initially. That's what it was. Clone Wars initially wasn't going to follow Anakin and Obi-Wan. It was going to follow another Jedi, Padawan. And it was going to be more of like a... They were on a scavenger kind of like vessel with scoundrels or what have you so so you can see at least the early framework of it even even prior to that um um so i thought that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. um the um and and totally yeah kanan is is a total cowboy space cowboy yeah, exactly and so, you could have easily been han you know yeah. and, and then even with like this you know the first episode back with kanan you could have easily had you know like me clark's character been the pilot you know and then mm-hmm. oh we've never talked and that is that's actually in firefly as well you know is that the, the mal character is in love with the the hooker with a heart of gold and and they never really admit it to each other until and actually they don't because firefly never got shot but it was just that's amazing like it's like oh there's kind of a lot of parallels between yeah. the two. i do i do wonder though if when they started rebels if they had always planned like well we're gonna do this solo story you never know. So, I mean, because, well, I mean, apparently, I mean, Lucas had some some hands in this the solo project as well. So, uh, yeah. it'd be it'd be interesting to to find out when the dust settles, like how how much influence he had on solo. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, it's the rumor, and you never know because they're always just rumors. But that right. was a rumor that I read that after the solo debuts, they're going to announce the Obi Wan Kenobi movie. And mm-hmm. Lucas is either going to be the director or the producer for it. Oh, but, interesting. Okay. But that could be just a rumor, like someone just wanting Lucas to be a part of it. Right. Something. Well, and that, and that, I do think that uh, the way the way Disney's or Lucasfilm is kind of rolling these things out, because there's been a lot of stuff, and this is on my notes here of new stuff to cover, is that um, there's a Star Wars Resistance um, has been basically trademarked and copyrighted. Um, by Lucasfilm. And so many were speculating that there's another show that they're going to announce. And uh, so much so that even just within the couple hours right before the show, I'd, I'd read where Dave Filoni had came, came out. Filoni? Uh, had, yeah. yeah, had came out and said that uh, a future series announcements will come soon. So if you read between the lines, what he's saying is, is wait until Rebels is over because that's the thing. They don't want to announce a new show while they're finishing up their tour. 
Right. And that's kind of how Last Jedi is was was with Solo. I don't know if I was. I mean, I know Dave Filoni loves Star Wars, and he, he'll do it in a heartbeat, probably. But I wouldn't know if I would want to do a Star Wars Resistance show because to me, it seems like it's you're kind of repeating yourself with Star Wars Rebels because that's the whole point of that too. Is like, oh, how are you showing how these people form a rebellion? How do these people form? A resistance? It's <clears throat> well. Again, that was just a name that was taken by the the Lucasfilm had trademarked and copyrighted, and and we only know that through through a, a certain grapevine. You never know if they're going to change that stuff, or if that was they filed five different names, and that's the one that uh, someone was able to read. You know, it could be called something different. And um, but it, you know, I know that fans are clamoring for what's next. They want to know. They're excited to know. So. Um, but before we get to that, we do have this other show, and I've thoroughly enjoyed, I guess, um, these last four episodes. What say you, Nick, the, I've had, the I've critic? Had, I've had mixed reactions to all four of them. Like, there's parts where it's like, "Ooh, that was clever," and then I'm like, "Oh." Then they. All right, well, let's yeah. let's go let's go through each one if you had highs and lows. Yeah. So, um, first one, Jedi Knight. So it's the first one that we get coming back. I. Now I'm I'm basically going to just read what the IMDb line is because this was the general kind of outline of the the show. It says the ghost crew infiltrates the Imperial headquarters on Lothal to save one of their own. So um, now I, I didn't really want to go through beat for beat, but we'll no, kind of we talk about the main yeah. yeah the main things because this is basically one the one in which Kanan dies. Yeah. So. And I, I, I liked the episode. Uh, I felt it was one of those that they'd been building towards, but the delivery seemed a bit quick for me. Because um, I was like, oh, because like it's, it's they finally admit they like each other. And they finally mm-hmm. like kiss, and then within seconds, it's like, oh, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, like I mean, I liked the way Kanan died. It was it was clever. It was. Um, believable you know it wasn't some it was original it was something yeah. we haven't seen before you right. know and he was obviously defenseless without his lightsaber so mm-hmm. i mean you knew something was going to happen and i i know that uh, some critics were like oh it was dead man walking the whole way but i i think it was the fact that it begins with him meditating seeing that wolf and and as we find out later realizing his purpose i mean he and i i didn't even need the exposition that we get in a later episode to tell me that he had, that he had found some type of like, he knew his path. He had seen his path and he knew what was going to happen. Cause he, he had that determined mm-hmm. um, view about him in that episode. I was alarmed when Rook showed up. Cause I was like, no, don't let this guy be the guy that kills Kanan. Like I was, you know, I had, I had anticipated that he was going to die in this episode and, but I just wanted to make sure that he went out, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, cool. I, yeah, he, he self-sacrificed, you know, saved the crew. And I liked the, you know, the last episode that we just saw, I liked the mirror of that, of like consequences of like if you change something. Yes. We, we get into that later. But, I, you know, I, I, I enjoy, I just felt it was one of those moments where I was like, okay. And then also it was like, oh, that escalated very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and then just little things where I, I get it's a cartoon and they can't really write a lot of reactions to it. But like mm-hmm. it's other things like when they landed and then mm-hmm. Sabine just like gets out and throws her helmet and then just walks off. I was like, I don't think that would be the reaction though. You know, not if you lost someone 
like that. It would be more of like, yeah, I mean, you'd be, it, you'd be sobbing, you'd be, you know, like on your knees, like and we just, we lost him. It might even be a group hug. You know, it could be something. Yeah. That, it just seemed a bit more of. Well, I I mad. I liked I liked Sabine's reaction. I felt it was really in character with her, and, and and specifically like the fact that she's she's more of a hot temper. She's more hot tempered, and I kind of like the fact that like Zeb's there doesn't know, oblivious, poor fool's gonna find out. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I've been in both situations, you know, on on the other end of like somebody telling somebody that somebody's died or or finding out the news. So I I don't know. I guess to me, I actually. And and I guess the follow through on that that episode is is Doom, in which which we see that with Jedi Knight, um, it it basically ends with his death right there, and it fades to white with those ashes coming down, which I thought was a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I also liked how they they entered the the building. They used old tech, which I thought was kind of like a cool, um, also mimicking the bats, but they had those gliders. That, so, was, that was actually one of the uh, things that you didn't like. I, did, well, I mean, I thought it was neat, but it was like, oh, apparently you can just push it and it just flies on a level plane, you know, for miles and miles and miles, which I just but, I was like, it's a cartoon. So it's yeah. Funny. But it was just it was like, that's not how a glider works. I know, but it looked like it actually had like a little device on the the, in, the inside part, but that would go against the whole tech thing. Yeah. So, um, then, you know, and then oh, I've yeah. never seen anyone ride a glider on top of the glider. Which I also thought I was like, wouldn't that make it heavy? You know, where it flip. But I don't know. We're we're dealing with Da Vinci physics here. Yeah, true. I mean, those look like Da Vinci bat kind of, you know, <laughs> something you'd see in a sketchbook. So it's just me nitpicking. It is. Um, <laughs> but you know, hey, uh, the uh, also Kanan, he's kind of a romantic. He goes back for the Calicory. I mean, come on, like. Throne was basically like the other half of this episode, which we is probably the least exciting part, but it's the torture of um, Hera. We even see the, the old school probe droid coming up and like giving her, she's drugged up for half of the episode. And um, also uh, Governor Price just being a total, total wench. Um, anyway. I mean, that was kind of like the other half that had the danger or what have you, but you knew Hera was going to get out somehow. Um, I I love the force push from from Kanan at the end that saved, because I, I always knew he'd sacrifice himself for Hera. Yeah. But to, to see that last kind of thing where he saved the crew as well, I thought it was it really doubled down on that. Um, and then they did that kind of cutout where you don't actually hear Hera's voice but you hear like kind of like the music, right? Um, the concussion. I mean, of an explosion or thing would probably. Well, there's I, the reason I mention that is because, and I, I know, I know we'll talk about. There's a lot to talk about with the the fourth episode, a world between worlds. But I wanted to just point out that you actually do hear Hera's voice in that version, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. That it's like you see her scream out, but you don't actually hear it in that episode, but. In the other episode, you actually hear it from another point of view. <laughs> Would, yeah, right? I <laughs> see what you did there. Okay. All right, well, let's talk about Doom and the reactions, because I feel like Doom is, like, both of these episodes aired together. 
what a bummer. My kids and my family were so excited. I mean, I knew what was going to happen. Like I knew it was coming, but you know, you're so excited to, to watch a show and then, and then it's like leaves you with a, a, a punch in the gut. And it reminded me of Battlestar Galactica because that show, every time it would air and there'd be a new premiere, I'd be like, yes, I can't wait for BSG. And it would be like the most depressing like episode ever. You know, somebody kills themselves and you're just like, wow, yeah, Battlestar's or, back. Or, just, <laughs> yeah, or even just something as simple as the, the, ch- the chalkboard or the, the whiteboard, you know, and she had the population written on it. And, oh, and sure. They, they, they would always show it almost every episode at some point, but they'd make a point to pointed out but you could see like the numbers were always going down you know and instead of going up and so yep. little things like that you'd point out like oh that's sad like they really are dwindling you know um well within doom i think it's kind of the fallout you know and it's it, i guess it's nice that if you it, that it, at least within this world there's these ramifications characters do have grief and emotions have weight like it it's not like just like oh yeah of course kanan's gone but we see kind of how each character reacts um, as far as, uh, as, as you mentioned, Sabine and Zeb, they react in kind of more of an anger, like let's go blow stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where they, they have their run in with Rook. Um, yeah. And that was another, I was like, Oh, so apparently he's the predator now, which I thought was a bit weird. Um, that he has this cloaking, armor which we haven't seen before now mm-hmm. um, so that was my i mean it was more humorous to me i was like oh he's the predator but not as cool well, <laughs> well I'm, i think they had to have some way that he would have an advantage over two mm-hmm. and then also you have to have uh sabine show off her art skills so and uh they tar and feather him but i think it also too it showed that zeb was to the point where he was also about ready to like Obviously, they didn't show his face, but you know, Zeb was taking it to the extreme where he was going to just beat him to a bloody pulp, Sin City style, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen the end of Sin City. That's that's what Zeb was going to do. So we'll never know. We'll never know <laughs> because hair or because Sabine was at least the voice of reason that said no, we shouldn't. So, um, and then you have Hera and her kind of fallout as far as like she kind of goes. I think deeper into what was Kanan or who Kanan was. And, and she kind of realizes there's nothing left of him. I mean, he was a Jedi. He, he lived a monk lifestyle, you know, I mean, she kind of goes into the one area where he was at there. And it was sweet that they showed choppers interaction with her. Um, but the rebels feel like they failed pretty much. I mean, even when they get back from, and the, the rest of the rebel crews that are there, like Ryder and uh, the Iron Squadron guy and some other dude from season one that grew up. <laughs> but they're all like, it's over, you know, like, like Kane is dead. You know, Mon Mothma's not going to send anybody. Party's over. And they, they actually split in that episode. Um, band broke up. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know if you're going to, bring this back around but sure yeah it's one of the the two things i thought were really i thought was interesting in that the two things that the empire it was a good example of how politics you know mm-hmm. she was trying to take a bad situation um 
Oh yeah, sure. Um, I mean, Governor Price throws a parade because yeah. that's what dictators do to yeah. make themselves feel better. They throw parades. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, see what yeah, I did there? I did. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I liked the fact that you know it's like, oh, we majorly we had a major mess up right here, and then to you know put some lipstick on a pig, we're going to. Uh, what well, I I throw a parade and. And then, of course, they uh, Thrawn immediately points out that, like, no, you failed, and now because of your failure, we can't continue to produce the Tide Defender, which is like their experimental. That was his baby. His baby, and and that's what I mean. And so I'm not sure if you were looping back around it, but then they realized the the rebels that like, oh, Kanan accomplished what we had been trying to do. This right. So yes. I, I liked that it. it came back around. Yeah, I I did too. I was going to obviously get there at some point. I'm glad that you you, you no no it's fine. Uh, I talk way too much on this show. Um, <laughs> but but no, I do. I like the duality of it because it is it is a letdown. But we also see that his sacrifice had that purpose. That he saw that pathway. Perhaps he knew like this will lead to this, and and therefore fulfilled. You know, it's hard to say because. We don't know exactly what that vision would have entailed, but uh, I feel like they had explained it enough in the episodes that we're going to get to uh, that he had a purpose or that he had a, a destiny that he was fulfilling as far as the sacrifice. Um, no, it is, it is nice that he, he does kind of destroy the, the TIE Defender, which helps explain why the TIE Defenders are not in... Yeah. All of the other movies. So, way to go, uh, Filoni, unwrapping that plot line up for us. <laughs> um, and and Governor Price, like, I hope she dies. Like, she's she's kind of annoying. I find her to probably be the most annoying of the bad people on here. I don't know why I hate her so much. Maybe it's just the way she looks. But isn't that true though about Thrawn that he always surrounds himself with people he knows are competent but mm -hmm. incompetent because he wants himself to appear to be the genius that he perceives himself to be. I, mean, I, I think he, well, yeah, there's a there's a great uh, new comic book actually out about Thrawn um and it uh it's I believe that it's based off of the novel that came out uh, by Timothy Zahn called Thrawn. Uh, last year, which um, I am not a big fan of Timothy Zahn as far as writing. Like when I read his stuff, it just, I just, I don't know. I can't remember which books it is I've read. Uh, but I will say this, the comic, love the artwork, love the story so far. Um, and, you know, I would definitely check it out. If you like Thrawn, that first issue, it's a little, there, there's a lot there. So, um, and uh it, it's interesting because you get to see kind of how, where his origin story is, what his origin story actually is and where it begins. So I'm curious what they'll do with him. Cause I don't, I would, I'm hoping they don't kill him off, you know, in the next couple episodes. Uh, Cause I think he should survive even the downfall of the empire. I just, mm -hmm. I'd like to, for him to just keep going. I would love for them to have a heir to the empire version. Like, like, let's have our own version of Heir to the Empire. Maybe it's a little different in this canonized version or what have you. We'll always have the books. We're never going to have Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade or whatever, like, right. you know. But 
you know, I don't know. I, I think it, I'm with you. I think there's a lot of people that would probably want him to survive as well. Um, anyway, also in this episode of Doom, uh, Ezra, obviously, he feels lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and as um, heard somewhere, you know, he's lost his third parent, right. essentially. And, and his teacher. And, and that's where the wolves kind of appear trying to teach him a le- lesson. He wakes up um, and he has this vision of this giant wolf wolf named doom um and uh tries to eat him scary stuff <laughs> yeah don't be afraid well i eat you oh yeah <laughs> it was it's like it was pretty confusing i have to say and and um as far as you know those the exact lesson that those wolves were actually trying to teach canaan I know my son was confused. And that's why like, I mean, like I had kind of mixed reactions about all the episodes because there was little things that you're like, oh, that that's okay. And then like things like that, you're like, what are they trying to do with that? I didn't, mm-hmm. And the, the wolves anyway, in general, tended to confuse me throughout the last, you know, how many episodes they've been in. I'm like, okay, it's like, is there, is there something to do with the force, but I don't I, really know. And I, I've, I've enjoyed them actually. I didn't so. hate them. I just, yeah. They weren't clear in what they were. I, I know. I think it is kind of like this area where, where Filoni gets to be really like vague, mm-hmm. you know, or kind of general as far as like, you know, the powers of the force, um, making it maybe a little bit more mystical and a little less sciencey. Um, anyway, um, the uh, we should. Oh, I remember the point I was going to make because um, we're talking about wolves, um, wolves. The uh, original, or I guess the fake name for the show, you know how Star Wars movies have fake names like Blue Harvest, what have you. The fake name for this show was called Wolf. And they were going to use sun swords and they were going to fight the tyranny. So that was like the fake kind of show. For all of Rebels. For all of Rebels, it was called Wolf. From the initial concept when they were first getting off the ground. It's interesting. Getting voices and what have you. So... And Freddie Prince Jr. was like, sign me up. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and apparently, like, uh, Filoni and, and it seems as though Freddie Prince Jr. knew that his character was going to die. Um, so I read, I, yeah, I'd read somewhere that they had discussed it, and Filoni was having reservations about it, but um, Freddie Prince Jr. was like, no, you, this yeah. is what we need to do. I think I think everybody was expecting him to die because you can't go into a new hope having a lot of Jedi because like everyone believes that they're extinct and even though it's only been twenty years, people were like, you know, Jedi have gone into myth almost. Mm-hmm. And so the, I mean, he, they're even surprised that Obi Wan's alive, and then when you find out Yoda, you're like, oh, there's two. And I, mm-hmm. I can't see. Like, I don't think it'd have been really weak if if you would have had this as being canon that it is. And I said, Oh no, you've got Ezra and you've got Kanan. You've got, you know, uh, Ahsoka. I was like, well, well then I guess X, you know, uh, order 66 really wasn't really effective. He, he does talk about that, uh, from a certain point of view kind of aspect. Yeah. Going <sighs> about the point of view. How many- well, well, mainly because Kanan was trained in the Jedi order and Ahsoka is not a Jedi. True. 
And Ezra was not, he was somewhat trained in the Jedi Order. And maybe, maybe Ezra doesn't survive. He might not. You never know. Uh, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, he never was a Trials. He never was a Padawan. Tech. Oh, I guess he was, but not a. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's kind of in the gray. We'll maybe, I'm, maybe I'm forgetting. I thought of this a while ago, too. Like, did, did they ever really acknowledge the whole Sith holocron thing and then him kind of leaning towards the, the dark side mm-hmm. and, and him coming back? I guess I'd forgotten about that episode. Yeah, yeah. That's all in the like the kind of the season three. He goes through the that whole that whole aspect of of this the sith holocron and they look into the holocrons too oh, I um, remember now, yeah and then and maul mm-hmm. yeah maul kind of hijacks and almost like kills the entire ghost crew actually so um anyway uh the next episode the wolf and a door which um ezra leads the ghost crew back to the jedi temple on the fall where they discover that the Empire has a diabolical plans for the powerful secrets it holds. Um, so yeah, Ezra, he's just he has a certain kind of force whistle. So it's like, here boy. And like four four uh force ghosts, lothal, wolves, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um you know, going into this episode, I was I was still not sure, like, are they good? You know, like, is this some kind of emperor trick? Like, I was still kind of like, what's going on with the wolves? Um, clearly, they can they can transfer them, or they can go through the the energy of the planet. I I think that, as has been alluded to in previous episodes, that they're clearly something. If Lothal had a Gaia spirit. It would be these. It would travel on these loath wolves. They would be their the protector of that planet. So, if Earth had a a, a spirit animal that could protect it and actually, um, you know, go out and no, you don't think not not the Earth now, not the Earth, but Lothal <laughs> does, and maybe it's because they had a a, a Jedi temple, um, with a magical j- gate. Yeah, I mean, that's the next episode, though, is it? Or is it the same? No, no. So Wolf at the Door, or Wolf and the Door. Sorry, I, I always want to call it Wolf at the Door. But um, it is, it is. they go on this hyper-force jump through the planet mm-hmm. where we actually see visions of Seasons 1 and a little bit of Season 2. Uh, there's kind of some things that are said there just to kind of give you a reminder of who Kanan was and maybe pull at your heartstrings. <laughs> a little bit. Hey, remember this guy? Yeah. He's still with us, kind of. <clears throat> they wake up on the other side of the planet, uh, near the near the uh uh force the temple, the Jedi Temple, but apparently they have to walk because the wolves, I don't know. They just get lazy, yeah. I don't know. It's like, are they, they, they just can't go up? Is there some energy that protects them from, oh, no, that's Jedi area. We can't go in this area. Like, I don't know. We don't get an explanation for that. We might not ever. We may not ever. Uh, so we see uh, the Empire has set up clearly this uh, a la Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah, that's kind of expedition. Yeah, did you? Okay, because I did. I had some, like, a little bit of Indiana Jones especially watching this episode again. I mean, 
not only do they have a tablet that has like some specific hieroglyphics that um, Sabine has to use her art knowledge for. By the way, I love the aspect of art being a power or a, uh, an ability that a character would have to use. Um, <laughs> big, big fan. Yeah. Be, a being bit. a drawing teacher, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. So, um, and. And yeah, so they're they're excavating it, and the empire is basically like we get empire Nazis, um, which is kind of cool, right? Their faces didn't melt, but yeah. No, no, they didn't. And no, apparently, I, yeah, I like oh. the whole thing though with the uh, the scientist guy who was kind of like the Indies and in Raiders Lost Ark, the other guy, the bad archaeologist who. Just, oh yeah, you know, um, like. Like I said, like I said to you before we started recording, I'm not sure if that was that guy named Malcolm. Malcolm McDowell, yeah. It was Malcolm McDowell, okay, yep. yeah. Uh -huh. it, he plays yeah. Mr. Hayden. Yeah. So that is that is the, yeah, I looked that up uh, right before we started, and then somehow we got derailed into an hour-long discussion of something else. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and he looks very similar to the guy that appears in Rogue One at Darth Vader's place. Oh, okay. Wearing the same kind of hat. I don't know if these ministers, they might all be different. Darth Vader's got a minister. The Emperor's got a minister. Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, and they're even in, aren't they as well in uh, Return of the Jedi? Uh, the, 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 they're the, referred to as advisors, but we don't know other than that who they are. They're kind of like the purple people in um, The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's, but they look, yeah, like same. I wonder if there's supposed to be some kind of archivists you know some kind of maybe sith or just legend of the force kind of thing or or whatnot well it's very cool because in this episode we do get to see kind of how i mean we really haven't seen the emperor and his agenda we've seen his agenda politically but we haven't seen that i guess to this displayed in this manner mm -hmm. because this hasn't been covered in the clone wars he wasn't out there digging up sith fossils you know, he didn't have like an excavation team. So now that he is in power, like, yeah, he's like, hey, where do I get more of these artifacts? Anyway, um, and what's cool is, is that this connects to the Clone Wars in a big way with yeah. the uh, Mortis gods. Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised to see them. I was like, oh, that's neat. Because it was an interesting, what, two episode? Uh, three. Three, okay. Yep. I was like, oh, look, yeah, there's the you know, the dad and the daughter and the, the son, you know? And yeah. And, and for anyone who is, is even a partial, you know, I mean, if, if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't jumped into Rebels yet, uh, the season four has been really enjoyable. But if you haven't seen much of the Clone Wars, the, the Mortis Gods trilogy there uh, in the Clone Wars is, is pretty good. I, I did not look up the titles of those episodes. So you're going to have to do that on your own. That's what Google's for. Yeah. All you need to know is like, you know, there's the, the father and then the daughter is very the light and the sun is dark and you know yeah and there's a whole thing about uh, Anakin finding out that he's the chosen one and there's a whole test and uh, I think they even a I think they even kill Ahsoka in that um, she's infected or something like that there there's a whole thing that happens to Ahsoka in that um, and Darth Vader is revealed to Anakin in that episode too so it's a it's a pretty good um, three episode arc. But we see this mural, which, uh, oh, yeah, the other thing, too, about that, um, it's a George Lucas creation, those characters. Uh, it's actually his 
first non-Jedi Force wielder that he's ever, but he had a lot to do with those, hmm. the creation of those Force gods. So, um, anyway, um, the the main plot of this is basically everything that leads up to the opening of the portal or the opening of this gateway. Um, I like the tension of Sabine being caught um, and and potentially executed. I mean, you know, we've seen Kanan uh, die at this point. I mean, I uh, I can't tell you that, <laughs> you know, my daughter, we, we, we watched this as a family. My daughter, she was just like, yeah, Kanan died. <laughs> you know, she, but the very next episode, she's like, oh, man, all bets are off now. Sabine could die. Like, this has gotten serious. Yeah. And and so it does amp it up a little bit, and so she was she was real worried for Sabine uh, through this whole this whole uh, interlude here, where she's she's actually captured. Yeah. Um, but they do figure out how to open up the um, the portal um, with the whole changing of the hands or whatever. And which I thought was neat, you know, it it almost kind of was <clears throat> as well, but kind of like Indiana Jones and Last Crusade in that, you know, like the, the, the three, the five, no, the three, the seven and the 10, you know, like let's mm-hmm. try to figure out this puzzle. And then, then, of course it wasn't complicated or anything. You had to align the, the lines. Yeah. But, uh, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, and I thought that was weird too. Like the fact that the wolves walked away and <clears throat> made this circle and you just assumed it was a portal. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it was, I'll just say this much. Um, that is also the first time that they've ever done 2D animation with their 3D um, animation. So there's a whole separate 2D animation that was just that mural and the artwork of that. So it's a, like a separate, I gave it its separate and own kind of feel. It's a little bit different. So, But it is convenient that the that the wolves walked around someplace else so that he didn't have to open the portal there. And nobody seemed to wake up when like this uh goddess starts talking i am the daughter blah, blah, blah. and it's like what why are, why is the mural talking like nobody's hearing this it's lighting up and shooting off sparks like you know it's like uh indy with the the staff you know and it's lighting up and it's showing the way and you're like yes this is gonna be it and then anyway sleep on their job yeah. yep <laughs> <laughs> they're they're too busy with sabine so I guess, is that the end of this episode? Yeah, so the very end of this episode, he's running towards the portal. Uh, the, alarm, the alarm has been sound, sounded because the, uh, um, they captured Sabine at this point. They haven't, they haven't put the turn screws on her yet, but they, they captured her. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, they have him surrounded, and he runs through the portal. The other uh, two stormtroopers do not, So, which was a really great... Uh, really great scene that also I think helped not only provide a little bit of comedy there, um, but but also kind of gave you that illusion or wonderment of of why Sabine's just like she can't believe it. She can't believe that Ezra's gone and and it's just solid rock. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, um, and yeah, that's the end of that episode, which leads right into world worlds between worlds, which. I, I don't know. I would, what do you not like about this episode? And it's fine to not like this episode. I no, get it. There's something that this goes out there on. Actually, I really enjoyed the majority of this episode. It was just towards the end where I was like, wait a minute. Um, 
it's always easier for me to explain what I don't like about something. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I thought it was really clever the whole time and space, and this is a really power that you know the emperor would want to get because it is anyone would want this power if you're right. in control. Um, I didn't like like I, I liked how like how he saved uh, Ahsoka because I was like, oh, that it totally explains that you know and, and yeah so so uh, maybe maybe even before you kick the tires even sure. further because you're getting to to i mean um, yeah this is this this episode worlds between worlds or a world between worlds i i'm sorry if i've messed it up um in my <laughs> loose typing of it in my notes here but it, yeah i know it's a, a world between worlds no, um no. This episode, I thought, was just, like, amazing in the fact that what it did to the Star Wars universe. Uh, Nick is probably the only other person that's probably seen my show notes of other Star Wars episodes of things that I wanted to cover. I wanted to cover why time travel doesn't exist in the Star Wars universe just as a sheer topic. This episode completely blew that open as far as the fact that prior to this, Time was so locked into place with the Star Wars universe. It's so heavily built on the idea of mythology and time and things don't change. It's destiny and things are set. And and this one changed that or at least provided a, a window that he walked through and said, no, actually, time is malleable. And and I think even when they close it, I know I'm jumping to the end there, but when they close it, the sun says something uh, on the mural, and uh, we had the closed captions on when I was watching it. Uh, oh, the, and uh, yeah, I wish I had had all of the things written down here, but he does say he does say something of the the sort of um, the future is um, unwritten or the future is changeable. Oh, okay. um, so they're so, going to get rid of Force Awakens and the Last Jedi then? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, and I have some interesting notes about that. Okay, so so a world between worlds, uh, while other rebels engage in Imperial forces outside the Jedi Temple, yada yada, Ezra gains access inside and experiences a stunning revelation. All of the cool stuff you could say happens inside uh, while um, he is inside there. Um, I do think the Sabine stuff is is pretty um, is pretty good too. I think there's some nice little tidbits and nuggets of knowledge that we gain yeah. from the exposition of the guy that you're uh, in love with. I'm not. Well, I just thought it was interesting, you know. And you know, I'm just kind of he does he play to her curiosity of just art, and you know, and he's trying to kind of say like, I respect your opinion as an artist, and maybe you can, you know. I, because he's just wanting to find out knowledge, and you don't necessarily know if he's evil or not. I mean, he mm-hmm. probably is. It's a safe bet. But uh, it's just the fact he's more out to, he wants to discover something, like yeah. an archaeologist does. And so he's trying to see her as an equal. Of course, she's resisting him the entire time until they come and hit her in the head with a rifle butt. And then... Well, and she's playing off of of that idea of knowledge because he's she's like I'm smarter, I'm smarter than you, than you. Yeah. you know, and that is what gets us going because he actually, like you said, like he respects knowledge. That's his thirst, you know. That's his drive. Um, inside this this uh, place, though, uh, I I made kind of a list here of the voices heard. Uh, yeah, Yoda, Obi Wan, Leia, Qui Gon Jinn. Ray, we even hear Jin. 
Hmm. I didn't hear Ray. Okay. But there's no Luke. Right. It's interesting that there's no Luke. And I bring this up because there's been this recent crazy fan conspiracy theory surrounding Rebels Recon. We're getting deep Star Wars here. Rebels Recon is the show that comes out after Rebels. <laughs> and they basically recap. And, you know, if you want more show notes, I guess you can watch that and not listen to our show. But you really tune in for Nick and I. Yeah. Um, and for us to break it down. But anyway, the host was in a recent show. And in the background, uh, there was this picture of Luke X'd out. And it started this whole, like, is Disney anti-Luke um, kind of thing, you know. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny because fans are so knee-jerk, you know. It's like they pick up on a screenshot of something of a computer angled at a certain way and it's Luke's face like X'd out and and all of a sudden like somebody like wants to start a Twitter real war about, you know, why Luke's face is X'd out. I'm like, this could be the very explanation. Um, I think there is an actual um, person that works there that says that he's always been anti-Rebel Alliance and pro-Galactic Empire. So that's... That was his computer is what he said. I like how Nick's like mad respect. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, no, it's because I'm like, I'm always pro Empire too. Just, <laughs> I mean, as a kid, you always root for Han and you always root for Leia and, and Luke and everybody. Mm-hmm. That's just the natural story. But everybody's like, man, it's like that Star Destroyer, that TIE fighter looks really cool. You know? <laughs> you know? So the Empire has all the cool toys. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like you're always kind of like, well, I kind of like the Empire too. <laughs> Um, so back to this, uh, this crazy place here, um, Ahsoka, as you mentioned, is saved, um, by Ezra. I guess and we, should, we should probably set it up a little bit more as in, just, Oh, okay. And then I, I guess maybe someone hasn't watched the episode. Hopefully you have, but like, oh. so basically that's what Ezra, uh, when he jumps through is cause I didn't set it up earlier either. Is that <laughs> it, it's basically a big black surface with walkways. And any it's imagined space, yeah. It's it's basically an invisible walkway, yeah. Yeah. But like, where little things is like, it doesn't really explain to you, like, is is it linear in this area? Like, how do you know which portal leads to what? Right. Uh, And some areas were curved down and and extending off into distance. Yeah. Right. And then yeah, and then some portals were like mid path. You know, you could see. Mm And the only one that I could understand was at the end because Ezra actually jumps through the one that has the Lothwolves going around it. You don't see it really quickly, so you're like, "Oh, well, you know that he's that's they're leading him. That's the one he should jump through." Uh, So that's what people need to know is that. So basically, it's just a bunch of different portals for him to see through time and space. Right. Correct. And and as he's walking through this place, you know he he kind of, he keeps hearing these voices. And as I mentioned earlier, these are all of these voices and you hear all of these famous lines from movies, TV shows, um, the other, the clone wars. There's, there's every iteration of Obi-Wan from Ewan McGregor to, um, Alec Guinness and, um, even the cartoon Obi-Wan, which I apologize, voice actor. Oh, uh, Kane, Tom Kane. There you go. Awesome. Um, I, I was actually reading about about um, uh, him and um, and them trying to get you and McGregor for the show. So um, anyway, the um, 
you get to hear all of these voices saying all of these famous lines and Ray even says something, but the, the, the line that they choose to play from Ray, I was, it was from force awakens and she's talking to Finn. And I was like, that seemed kind of random because all of these other ones seem to be leading. Like if you listen to them and where Ezra's going or what he's talking about, they kind of relate to what he's in search of mm -hmm. when he stumbles across the Ahsoka doorway it's he hears the uh, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi like he's kind of lost mm -hmm. um, and he sees this small bird um, called um, Morai and um, it's that's the name of the bird um, but the bird is a, a convoy as I mentioned earlier uh, the bird is is above this gate or this stargate or what have you and as Ezra steps up to it you know, it's kind of motioning for him to like, hey, check this out. It this image from the end of season two of from a different point of view, <laughs> Ahsoka's fight against Darth Vader. Which, uh, by the way, if you have not seen the that episode, uh, also a, a big, huge must. Probably my favorite of the entire series. Yeah. Still, um, and to have it connected to that, and to have this moment where. Vader is going to kill Ahsoka and he just instinctively reaches through and grabs her and saves her. It was just so awesome because you just, you didn't know what was going to happen next. And she was alive all of a sudden. Um, and it just, I thought was a really cool, just how they got to that moment. I mean, mm -hmm. apparently Filoni had this planned out. Uh, this whole thing with the bird, he had set in motion quite a, a while. Yeah. Um. So, I just the I just thought it was really well done, leading up to that point and and getting Ahsoka back, uh, a character that that people have just grown to love. And my daughter could not have been more ecstatic. <laughs> I mean, you know it. It would it would be like bringing back someone or, or somebody erasing the Force Awakens for you. You know, you're just like, what? They did it. They finally did it. They used the Stargate for good. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, um, powerful stuff that's happening in, inside. Um, you know, meanwhile, Sabine is is getting shaken down for, for knowledge. I, I do like the way that um, Zeb and um, Hera kind of break her free. They set these kind of thrusters underneath this basically a, what it equals a giant shipping cart crate or something like that, uh, launching it up and, and basically having it go vertical. And she is able to successfully scramble out. Glad she knew Zeb gave her a heads up and she basically was able to get out with her life. Um, and this sets to motion these, yeah, and it comes across and she's like, I know what that means. And you don't, you know? Yeah. Then, yeah. She he kind of taps something out, which was a really great. That's what uh, it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and uh, so, yeah, they're able to escape. And it, this episode, these two episodes um, back to back just kept ramping up the tension of like, you just don't know what is going to happen. And especially since Kanan is gone, I think it just feels like all cards are on the table for all the characters at any moment. So it, I really liked the the level of like worry because all of a sudden they're kind of trapped and they have to go back. Ezra, oh, I, I, 
I forgot. So as they as they're getting Sabine out, meanwhile Ezra and Ahsoka have this meaningful moment where Ezra realizes he can save Kanan. And I I just thought this is so great because who wouldn't? If you had this ability, who would not try to save someone that they just lost? Right. And um and it was great that they went there. You know, it wasn't like he just forgot or, oh, now we see the emperor. It was the fact that they actually like walked up to it and he saw the moment before Kanan died. We got to see it from a different point of view, mm-hmm. just as emotional, just as impacting. Um, and, and then to kind of drive the nails even harder, Ahsoka says to him, like, you can't save your master just as I can't save mine. And, and her realization that Anakin is lost to Darth Vader. I just thought, wow, what a powerful way to connect Clone Wars and Rebels. If you've watched either or both together, it just, it really sent that message home, I guess, of those two characters needing each other at this moment. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, too, <clears throat> is that Ahsoka might have realized that this was his path, Kanan's path anyway, to die mm-hmm. at this moment. And if she would have allowed Ezra to reach in there and grab him, it would have robbed Ezra of, I mean, not Ezra, Kanan of that. And what would have that had meant to Kanan? Would Kanan really want to have continued to live? Well, well, I mean, just even, it can't even physically happen. It can't, right, it can't, because there's flames and there's all these other things. It would have killed, and if they would have saved him, the explosion would have killed. It would, it would, it would have killed Ezra, and right. therefore it would have created a paradox. And this was something that, uh, I don't know if it was my son or my daughter. I'll just credit them both, because we talk a lot about Rebels. We watch it together. I thought, I think it's my daughter that, that, that said this, but she she had the theory that, um, the emperor was actually the one that showed Ezra that because he appears in the same portal. Right. Right. Shortly right after it, that the emperor actually would have wanted Ezra to save Canaan because it would have killed Ezra and it would have left the portal open or, or something. So so just that idea that that he was kind of trying to fool Ezra into killing himself mm-hmm. by trying to save Ezra, or is, by trying to save Kanan, I mean. This is where I started, it started to lose me, as in the episode, because I liked it up until this point. I still mm-hmm. like it. But like the fact that you have earlier the scientist guy saying, you know, that, that the emperor, my master, or whatever, is trying to, to get at this. And, to, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, he's just there through the portals. Like, well, how did mm-hmm. he do that? Like, how did he access this time and space area? You know, he never really <clears throat> enters it. Right. But I thought that was like, okay, well, how did he do that? And then, you know, the whole shooting the blue flames out through the portal. Mm-hmm. And why did they kept, in, you know, infinitely growing and chasing after him? And to me, it just seemed very cartoonish in that mm-hmm. there's not it, much explanation there. Yeah, I, I would agree that that's probably the the most, like, leap of faith kind of like, what is that? you know, moment of the episode. I mean, even looking back, like there's a forced lasso at some point that grabs on to, to um, Ezra, uh, in which case, you know, Ahsoka slashes and breaks that lasso. So um, I, I will, I will give you that, that that's probably like the most like cartoonish or like, kind of like what, you know, 
I think that that world that they created was so cool. And then that effect and what they did right there, it just tipped it over. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, I think that the emperor could gain access because Ezra was in there. There's some, maybe they'll explain it. You know, we still have a couple episodes left, but I just thought that was really strange. Like, well, how did it all of a sudden the emperor? Well, here's the thing is that he opened that portal, but those other doorways that lead in, maybe they're not portals. Maybe they're just, I mean, because because there was no portal at the Sith temple, or maybe it was just not activated. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the fact that that gateway point had to be activated by Ezra being in there. Because basically, when he escapes, we'll just get to that part. When he escapes and he actually shuts it down, blows it up, it seals it off. So, therefore, the Emperor cannot gain access to that area. Think of it this way. Everybody has a cell phone, but there's one cell phone tower. Ezra just blew up the cell phone tower. Nobody can connect to it because it's not running. When Ezra was inside there, it was active. Like the tower was, there was somebody in there. It was an active place that was a conduit. Right, gotcha. I I mean... It's a good theory. We'll see. Yeah. It's the best I got right now. Better better than I thought. What is it that you thought? No, I was saying it's better than what I was thinking, which I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, I mean, there were other things, too, that I was thinking of, like, well, you know, the Emperor, you know, he had Maul. Maul trained Ezra. Like, there's all of these other Force connections that he could try to pull from Ezra. Um, you know, why? I, but I know Ezra's not going dark. There's no way Ezra's going to go dark at this point. No. He's, he is... And, and like and this is not really related, but like you know, um, Ian McDermott, the actual emperor, that was his voice. Yes, it was. But, but to me, it didn't sound like him, which I thought was weird. It didn't sound hmm. like the traditional emperor. Like even for episode five, it's like this, like uh, not five. I mean four. I mean three. God, what am I thinking? Episode <laughs> three, it's like you know, it's like even two thousand five. It's like wow, it doesn't really sound like him. Uh, it sounded like anyone just trying to do it, an emperor hmm. impersonation. But I mean, I know he's getting older. Maybe his voice has just changed that much. We we all can't be Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, yeah. But his his voice has stayed the same since uh, Clockwork Orange. I mean, but well, uh, they they escape, they blow it up. Um, there's this whole thing where uh, they basically. Uh, this is, I guess, the part that I was kind of leading to earlier. Once they get Sabine and Ezra together, they they have to figure out a way to close the the portal. You know, it's not as simple as enough as just escaping, but well, they have to kind of blow up the cell phone tower as I, as I put it. Right. Um, well, there's one little thing I wanted to, to bring up. Sure. So when uh, Ahsoka and Ezra are escaping, this is the one thing where I it really got me curious because Ahsoka mm-hmm. picks a random portal and just jumps through it. And that's it. And you know, he says something to her. She she went through the same one that she came out of. You're sure of that? Okay. Mm-hmm. That was the one concern I had because I was like, wait a minute, like what? I I wasn't sure where she jumped. And, and, and like, here's here's the other thing. She went back to the exact same time that she left. Okay, because that's what I was concerned. I was like, does this mean she could be in the 
old republic for all we know or she could be in the future as a who knows so um and and maybe maybe she understood that time paradox or whatever i have to go back through the the gate that i came through or what have you but um and i know this because i i had uh i think it was maybe even on a rebels recon where they were interviewing uh feloni about this but that last shot from season two you see ahsoka descending some stairs way in the distance and you're not sure what's happening because it's so dark but she is at the very end of that descending while the bird is flying out of the end of the temple so go back watch that last episode of twilight of the apprentice um she's in there and it's just basically after she's gotten back from the whole shindig with ezra so she is she's back there but she's trapped also on malachor there's there's no other ship ezra stole um maul's ship to escape um, Maul stole Darth Vader's ship to escape, and we don't know how Vader escaped. Hmm. So, I mean, obviously, he probably has a homing beacon on his chest. He's just like, beep, boop, boop, come pick me up. That's actually how it sounds, literally. <laughs> it's really lame. Yeah. They, they, they went all out budget for the lightsaber sounds, but that... He's all scary, and then all of a sudden he goes, beep, boop, boop, and then all the stormtroopers look at him like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I, what else? Oh, wait, oh yeah. There, oh, then, yeah, yeah. We're, get, we're getting to when they re, uh, reunite and blowing up the. Uh, the yeah. Bar. So they 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 blow up the temple. The temple's gone. Um, there's this really great moment. The music is awesome in this moment. Um, but uh, the the tension leading up to Chopper uh, driving them out of this pit as it's collapsing, but. Um, yeah, you, we hear Kanan's voice. The screen goes white, and we hear Kanan's voice say, uh, the Force will be with you always. Mm-hmm. Man, that got me. I was like, ugh, really I pulling also, out all the stops here with Kanan. I also liked uh, the little subtle things, too, that um, Hera's kneeling, you know, and she has, oh, her, hand, yeah. she has her hand on her shoulder. That part, yeah. And you think she's just comforting herself or something, mm-hmm. you know, and then you – and it pans and you see that he's actually standing there kind of like ghost <laughs> in the movie ghost. No, that, and 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 something that my my kids pointed out like at the very end she still has her hand on her shoulder just like she's she's waiting for him to be there mm-hmm. and they're looking out at like that desk like there's nothing there it looks like a is it it looks awesome i love the the way they did the 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 landscape there at that last shot of the the temple that's gone. Um, but she has her hand on her shoulder and, and that's why she says to Ezra, he's really gone because she senses that his force has moved on. Ahsoka mentions to uh, Ezra while they're in this world between worlds that uh, she kind of alludes to the whole idea of force ghost being that the force like a being, I wish I, I wanted to write this down. I apologize for not writing this down verbatim, but it basically, she gives kind of an allusion to the idea that a being after it dies, it's force will can lead them. So, or it has a purpose until it finds its purpose or what have you. It. I'm sorry, I'm murdering this. No, it's fine. Um, you're like, oh, it's good. Murder you. it. <laughs> um 
at any rate, I I I thought that it was alluding to the fact that that also Kanan there at the end was finally gone. Like his force ghost mm-hmm. was no longer there. He had. Yeah, you kind of wonder because, as far as we know, he, I can't see him coming back as a actual force ghost because he hasn't been trained that way to do it. And well, think of it this way: his physical body and his physical form on the planet died. Destroying that fuel depot, their rebel mission was successful. But his force spirit connecting with the Lothal wolves, mm-hmm. that mission was to protect the Jedi Temple. And that was his last, that was his force energy going out. Like his last other thing was to protect that. And I think he used his force energy through the wolves. Or whatever other mystical, you know, felony thing you want to use to explain it, he used to get that temple secure so that the emperor couldn't have found it or opened it. So um, I thought it was a really powerful ending, and 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 two also with uh, Ezra saying like, "There's one last lesson." The lesson, the last lesson that Kanan taught him was to find his purpose. That was the last lesson that he was trying to teach him was to find his his purpose uh, that would benefit the most people. And I think that Ezra, when he says that, like, oh, no, like, Kanan taught me one more thing. Like, I think he's saying, like, Kanan taught me to self-sacrifice. I think he's going into this last war, like, all out, like, I will do whatever it takes to free Lothal of the Empire. Um, also, just based on the, the trailers, too, it just seems like that's where things are leading. Yeah. I mean, I can say you would like to, and I have a conflict within my head right now of like, oh, I, I kind of don't want that to happen. But then I'm like, yeah, it kind of needs to happen or should happen. But I, I yeah, I mean, it's, it, I don't know. We, we will find out, I guess, next week. Um, uh, as far as the, there's a, Basically, three more episodes left to go. So, a fool's okay. hope. I think it was two. Okay, yeah, three. And then there is a a two a, a two part one hour kind of finale, which is called uh, family reunion and farewell. <laughs> so parts one and two. So that's kind of the end. But we have a fool's hope, so you which think, you think it, it would lead lead into Rogue One just a little bit. I at this rate, I feel like they're not. I feel like they're not going to cover Rogue One. I feel like the events of Rogue One are probably gearing up to happen, and that whatever happens on the fall, Hera is going to leave and go back to the rebellion, and she's going to find that they're gearing up to go into another fight, and she's she's a rebel. She's going to do her job you know, I guess, and go into that fight. But I think, I think Hera as a character, it's interesting because I feel like, I don't know, just the way that they've depicted her. I mean, she definitely feels like she's given like the sacrifice now to the rebellion. You know, it's like, she's always been part of the rebellion and she was getting to this point where she was ready to kind of look at Kane in a certain way and maybe lighten up a bit. (laughs) But now, I don't know. I mean, especially all of the ancillary kind of things that I've seen her in post. Um, 
that's post rebels related that's canon you know she definitely feels kind of like she's the only one that got out mm. so oh i don't want sabine to go <laughs> i know i i i love all of these characters i mean yeah of course i think most of us could could be like yeah i guess if zeb died i mean because zeb's the zeb's last of cool, but like you know he's like oh he's the he's the funny macho guy yeah, he's the funny macho uncle guy. Right, and so you're like, okay, if he dies, like, I, it's okay. But Sabine is just, uh, she's a unique character, and I don't, it's like Arya Stark dying. Like, you know, Arya can die, but you don't want her to die because she's cool. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a testament. Uh, if if anyone has listened this long and they're like, what does Nick think of these, these crazy characters? I think that's a testament to the power of these characters because you've connected with them, you know, Throughout, either me forcing you to watch this or no, no. I <laughs> oh, you mean to people out there listening? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I I feel that some people might be a little bit more kind of like, ah, oh, Rebels. It's just a cartoon or a kids show. But I feel like the depth that they've gone through in this last season has been um, yeah. really enjoyable. Well, it's as like far as the show, it's like we've talked, like, because uh, Clone Wars for its six, well, five official seasons and and one non-aired sixth season uh clone wars has its highs and lows and there's definitely some filler episodes and things like that and with rebels coming off of clone wars when a lot of people like me especially was frustrated that it didn't get a, a good it didn't get an ending yeah uh the first season of rebels was really hard to, to swallow because it yeah. wasn't that good and i felt it was just a lot of filler and a lot of like who are these people i don't care yeah, and then, and then season two goes around, and you do have an idea who the characters are, and the stories get interesting. And then, pretty much from season two, three, and four, there isn't much filler. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. I mean, the, there 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 can be like a couple. I'd say there's probably about you know two to four each season. But you know, each season, if you started at two and went through, you know, um, I don't know. It's there's it gives a breadth and depth to. Um, you know, I think just the Star Wars universe in general. So, and uh, yeah, I, it's it's amazing that it's come this far. And and uh, yeah, I was really, really bummed. It's like even though I knew Kanan was gonna die, I was. It's so. <clears throat> anyway, well, um, I think that pretty much wraps it up as far as like what we were gonna cover. Yeah. We, um. Well, probably our longest episode. I hope not. So, but you know, we, we do like to talk. So, um, if you've enjoyed this show, like all of the other Jay and Jack production shows, um, you should become a patron. So join us at, um, patron slash patron.com slash Jay and Jack. Yeah. And, um, you can uh, become a member at $1, $5. Uh, every little bit helps us out. Um, if not, you, there's also an Amazon affiliate link. Amazon.com slash Amazon or Amazon slash Shane Amazon slash Shane Yeah. Yep. Amazon slash Shane Jack. And, and you can find everything, uh, all of the links at Shane And even if you don't want to become a patron or, uh, you can always just help us out by going to iTunes and giving us a good review on the podcast. If you like listening. Yeah. Rate and review us. We'd appreciate it. So, um, and, uh, we'll be back for another, uh, discussion at least for uh summarizing rebels and you know nick 
would really like to have a Last Jedi Part Three. It's been alluded to. A lot of people in the the uh, Owen and Beru's, uh, you know, kitchen staff would like to grill up <laughs> some more pork. So I think that uh, you know, be on the lookout for the on the horizon. There, uh, we'll get uh, the gang back together. I know uh, Jay and and Chris would like to join us for that for sure. Yeah. I mean, we so. need to get more of a argument of things we like, things we don't like, and anyone out there listening, if you want to, you can always give us your two cents. And uh, yes. Send us an email at theforceswelldone at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram, uh, also at Owen and Brews BBQ. Find us both places. Um, like to thank uh, some special patrons that make this possible. Tack from Tokyo, Eckhart, Richter. Richter. I always want to say Glatfelter because <laughs> Jack always adds it. Uh, Molly the Millennial. And her, oh. Did we lose? Did we lose? Okay. You now are. I lost you. I guess oh, it's not a great show. It's not one in a million. <laughs> I just, you got I, way too cocky. I still have the live going. So I was like, I was like, did I, did I lose him or did he lose me? <laughs> so, <laughs> did I keep talking? I don't even know if I'm being recorded. <laughs> well, may the force be with you, Nick. Yes. Always.